And so if you weren't here for my first session, you missed it. That was fantastic. Just saying. Amazing. Um, so that was laying out the, the framework of why. You know, and I think if you're taking this class or you're here, you know, that question's probably answered for you. You know, you're, you've maybe arrived at the decision point. We need to do something. And so it kind of laid out uh, what we need to be doing. Um, sir? Real quick, do you guys, or have you put together a curriculum? Four. Or just that outline? Well, you got it. You went over the... Well, I mean, but also to include, like, what... Okay, so you said you guys do training. So, like, what scenarios do you actually train to? What, you know, just to kind of give a blueprint? Yes, no. I, I, now, that is a vision that I have going forward that we're going to put together this. And, and it's, I mean, I, can, I have the resources and the, and, the, and the networking available to make that happen fairly quick. Um, so some of the, you know, our tactical trainings, I'll leave to the tactical guys, set this up. The, you know, this is the church. What does it look like? How do we solve this issue? Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get our creative and worships uh, guys and, and, and have them dream up some scenarios, you know, where people go sideways and, and the ushers and greeters and, and safety team have to get involved. But it, it has to be as closely to what we might encounter, you know, or it's, not, it's of no value. Um, so, uh, you know, those, those kinds of things is what I'll be looking for. But I do not have a curriculum. I don't have it uh, put out there yet. Because all I was looking at was, like, you brought up a couple of scenarios that, like, like as or, like or, what? Or the, or the fact that like most of the stuff happens in the parking lot. Yeah. Who, I mean, like so smaller smaller church. Sure. But we're we're really focused on like positioning. Like we don't have a security team, so we have like using our ushers. Like how do we deal? Where do we put them? How do we lock the doors? How do you know? Like that, that's where we're at. Yeah. So so just but but you know never even thinking about that that parking lot you know view or or what's going on in the parking lot. Yep. So when you leave here, you know, you're going to hear clearly from me that the number one thing you need to be doing is having somebody in the parking lot. That church in Texas was a church of 50 or 40 people, and it started in the parking lot. So if they just had somebody sitting in a truck out there with a walkie-talkie who said, hey, Jim, this guy's pulling a rifle out of it. I don't know what he's doing, but you guys better get people to the back of the church. Something, right? So... Um, you're going to hear me say repeatedly that far and away, even if you can only have two people, one inside and one outside, and if you can only have one, then you got to decide, is it better off outside than inside? Because, you know, the service is starting, and if, it, if it's that small of a church, then you know who are your regular attenders, and, and, then, you, and then who uh, among your regular attenders might be struggling in life you know, at this moment in time. And so you already have an awareness of some of what's going on. It's going to be the, the person showing up that you maybe probably don't know, or a former member who's had problems that you're aware of. You know. And so being in the parking lot, you know, you're going to be, that person's going to know for sure firsthand, hey, he's not, I don't know who that guy is, what's up with this, you know. So... Uh, in my opinion, it, uh, it's of a priority to see to it that you're outside security. And so, gang, listen, you know, you may say to yourselves, and, and I've had a number of conversations with churches in Youngstown, um, I bottom lined them and said, you can hire a policeman for, for $25 an hour to sit out in your parking lot in a cruiser 
every Sunday. And so that's a, for some of us, that's $100 well spent, you know. Um, and you can do that. And so, and, and that brings tremendous peace of mind, and that brings tremendous resources to bear uh, at your place. And he's in the parking lot, or her, him or her are in the parking lot. And they're well-armed and well-trained and ready to go. And they have direct communication with all your uh, safety forces. And the, the, just having a police car in the parking lot Absolutely. is, uh, like we talked about the turn earlier, yeah. you know, that's, that's a Absolutely. substantial deterrent for someone Absolutely. being up to, up to something. Yep. For us, it was important that it would come from in-house because we know that you know, our belief is that when it's birthed from within, there's, it's a ministry. And we go about it as a ministry. And so we look out extra special for those that we love and care about the most. And so that's why, for us, it was pretty important that it was from in-house. But some may not have the resources, and that's a great solution. You know, one in particular is uh, St. John's Episcopal Church that sits right on Wick Avenue, right across from YSU. Uh, you know, so, you know, can be a difficult neighborhood. Um, so uh, my suggestion to them was, hey, you know, and kind of a very progressive, uh, professory-ish kind of congregation who, no offense, maybe felt that they were above guns. I don't know. You know, that's okay. Very standoffish in that regard. So hire a policeman to have them sit in your parking lot. Right? Wonderful solution. Not, and then none of you are burdened with having to carry, you know, a firearm if you're not interested in whatever. It would be amazing because you had all those statistics from that last class. But probably for every one of those ones... That you that was there four hundred and some or whatever. Probably for what every one of those four hundred, there was probably ten that didn't occur because there was a cop in the well, parking lot. There's no question. Water, you know what I mean? No question. You know, and well, on you never the, hear about those because you you don't know. And, and the same with the national conversation about concealed carry. You know, we don't talk about the number of crimes deterred. You know, um, in my opinion, you know, if you healthy, emotionally stable people who choose to carry a firearm are a tremendous deterrent. Uh, so, so how do we start our team? Great question. What do you do? First, you got to turn on your remote. <laughs> so, first question you got to ask yourself is, where are you now? Do you, do you have a safety team? Are you thinking about a safety team? Are you just beginning it? Are you updating the procedures that you now have? Uh, has your church reached a level of due diligence required by law? Have you done your homework? So, you know, just like in any other session that you've had here, launching any other kind of ministry, you know, you're praying about it, you're, you've, you're, you're doing your homework, you, you've talked to the right people, you're praying about it, you want to make sure, you know, that everyone has an understanding of what that looks like, you know. Is it going to be, you know, subdued? Is it going to be overt? Are we going to arm them? Are we not going to arm them? And you don't have to be armed, you know. Because, again, such a small percentage of uh, these things are deadly force encounters. Now, of course, they do happen. And for me, I want to have more than a stern look if it goes sideways. But if you don't have that ability, would you, can, you know, should you just then abandon everything and not do anything? Because I, we don't have any policemen and we don't want to pay for the training. Well, no. You know, so you arrive at the decision that says, okay, well, so maybe we don't have armed. You know, but we're, we, we all got 911 and we'll get police there as quickly as we can. You know, some of the questions that you have to ask yourself, and again, you're going to hear me over and over and over again. I'm not telling you that you should be doing something. I'm saying you should strongly consider it and go to where you're comfortable, right? Uh, and so it's, if you have the full weight of the pastor's office and the decision makers in your church, it'll happen. Um, security team planning. So 
The task of putting together your safety team can seem overwhelming, obviously. Where do I begin? How does it, how do we even, where do I start? What do I do? It's more than just showing up and looking good. You need to have a plan of action. And so the number one uh, reason why safety teams are successful is because they're organized. You've planned ahead of time so that when a negative event happens, somebody stops breathing or, or you have some emergency, you've talked about it. It's not mass chaos. It's not, oh, Jim's got a gun, Bob's got a gun, I got a gun, okay, I guess we have a plan. No. So you, you've put some thought into it. So you need to have a plan of action. You need to decide what it looks like, what do we want to do, right? What's our goal? Uh, and what, you know, so for my safety team, they understand you're nothing more than a bridge bet between the event and when the professionals arrive. So if you're an EMT with, with Lane's Ambulance, you know, with uh, Life Trans in Austintown, but you're on my safety team, you're, you are the safety team guy until Lane's Life Trans shows up there and you hand it off to the medics who are on duty. You know, you're not running the show. You're, you know, so same with me. I'm a, I'm a commander on our police department, but if we have a negative event, when the, when the professionals arrive in uniform, I'm not in control. I'm not, I'm, it's their deal, right? Hand it off. So, team planning path. So first of all, develop your plan. You decide what does it look like. Yes, we need it. Okay? So complete the risk assessment. Write job descriptions, manual procedures. Those don't have to be vast, lengthy, voluminous, right? Overly verbose. You know, 911 guy. He's the guy who calls 911, right? You know, the, the child care guy is the guy that stays in child care. You know, the, the, the girl in the sanctuary with the gun is to kill the bad man when he goes in there. That's, you know, it doesn't have to. Deacon or board approval, of course. Selection of your team members. We'll talk about each one of these independent of one another. Get the needed equipment. Train your members. Meet the police and fire departments. Introduce it to other ministries. And start your operations. Gang, I had our safety team up and running within two weeks. Fully operational. Go ahead. How do you, how do you go about having that with whom? The, the, like the police and fire departments. Do you just say, hey, this is so-and-so from the church? Absolutely. Yep. So most police departments have a crime prevention officer or somebody who has that responsibility. Others have, uh, you know, your larger police departments have community officers. In Youngstown, they have literally officers assigned to a neighborhood. This is, you know, your job is to do nothing more than liaison between the police department and those who call home your neighborhood. And so those are great resources to draw on, to connect with. So when you call your police department, you may ask for the training person or the crime prevention officer and then say to them, hey, look, we're putting in a safety team. We're, we're implementing this. Do you have any advice? And, you know, when we're up and running, we would love this, you know, have you come for a cup of coffee and, and see what we're doing. And, and they love that stuff. They're happy to do it. So that's what I mean about meeting. Because another thing the police department wants to know, when I, so APD, Austin Town Police Department, if there's a negative event and they're, on, they're running hot and heavy to Highway Tabernacle, they know that there's a safety team in place and, and, we're, and they're armed. So my officers already know that's happening. And so the, you know, my guy that's meeting them in the parking lot for the event that's happening inside lets them know he's not running out there with his gun, right? Because when the officer, when the professionals arrive, you know they don't have time to differentiate between good guys and bad guys, and so my safety team members know when the professionals arrive, your weapons on the ground and you're flat, because we don't want the wrong people dying. And if I'm coming through that door and there's rounds going off and I 
and I, I'm weapons hot and I go, I put a bead on you and I order you to the ground and you're trying to explain to me you're the good guy, that's not a long conversation. <laughs> Unfortunately, you, you understand, you're standing there with a weapon now I hear rounds going off and I'm ordering you to put your weapon down and you're standing there with your gun refusing to do that. Well, you're going to be talking to Jesus. Okay? Because you can't appreciate uh, that level of um, stress and, and intense emotion when people are running from the gunfire and you're running to the gunfire. You're focused and prepared. And, and you know, uh, maybe not, you know, want to be careful of the conversations I have, but, you know, for a law enforcement officer who's been on the job for any length of time, when he comes through that door, that decision's already been made. And so, you know, I don't want to say that's an easy decision, but, but that's going to happen. And so you, we, don't, we don't put our fate in the hands of other people. When the professionals arrive, our guns are on the floor, and we're out. Done. No, you know, we're not making people decide good guy, bad guy. Right? Sunday morning church, a guy rolls in there in a suit and decides he wants to kill people. I come through the back door, see a guy in a suit with a gun. I could assume he's on the safety team. Right? So, high-level training game. So, risk assessment. It's designed to review what risks your church are. The risk assessment isn't really, isn't just, you know, are you vulnerable here or vulnerable there, but it's also, hey, you got an elevated uh, walkway out here that somebody could trip over. You might want to address it. You got the bushes too close to the windows over here where burglars can hide and can't be seen from the road and police are, intimate, are inherently lazy and they don't want to get out of their cruiser and walk around your building, so you might want to clean these shrubs up and move that around and make it easy for the officer to drive around while he's holding his coffee hitting you with his folly. Okay. So risk assessment is a number of things. It is assessing your vulnerabilities in your church. Where are we weak? Where are we strong? You know, our, 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 our children's area, our child care area is kind of wide open and not secure. Should we be thinking about putting doors in here? You know, uh, what is it uh, that you can be doing to mitigate some of the things? You know, uh, should we be locking our doors after the service starts? You know, should we be doing that? Should, you know, just... Assess your church. You can go online and, and Google risk assessment church and, and a number of quality risk assessment outlines will come up and you can do that. Your crime prevention officers would love to come by and do a risk assessment for your church. And there is a picture of a risk assessment just for you. Okay. Does your church take high profile view on controversial issues such as abortion? Of course. So here are some of the things, you know, so... If you have a high-profile pastor, if you were in a high-crime area, you know, uh, there are, you know, if we brought in Lee Strobel, a, a world-renowned, um, right after his movie came out, you know, so, um, you know, are you having somebody who's in a closed country who's a missionary, a high uh, a Muslim nation or whatever, you know, so are you, if you're doing these things... You should be aware that there's risk associated with them. You know, certainly somebody could have decided, you know, I'm going to uh, prove to Lee Strobel who Jesus is. Does your staff counsel hurting marriages? Of course they do. Right? And emotionally, and so here's the number one thing that I teach my young officers. Another, I work midnight turn. I bid midnight turn because I have young officers. And the reason why I bid midnight turn is because I want to mentor those young officers in the art of being a police officer and empowering and engaging people. And that badge doesn't weigh nearly as much as you think it does, right? 
And so I want you speaking to people, not at them. I want you empowering them, all the while prepared to kill them if you have to, right? So you want, uh, you know, does your pastoral staff um, console hurting marriages? So, you know, emotionally disturbed people, and where I was going out with my officers is, is one of the things that I tell my officers is you deal with people in moments in time. That doesn't define who they are. So you could have somebody in your church who's been a fantastic person for 25 years whose marriage might be crumbling around them and struggling right, in life in that moment in time. It doesn't mean they're a goof, right? But they're just moment, you know, they're struggling in that moment in time. But those can be volatile moments. And so, you know, one of the reasons why your church security team has to be of the highest character people is that your pastor... It should get to a level where if I'm counseling a couple, and I have a concern about this guy, you know, maybe she's made some comments that he's maybe been, you know, maybe a little physical, who knows, right? Maybe drinking a little bit, you know, whatever. I want that pastor to be able to say to her, is it okay if I share with my, with our safety team, maybe we should keep an eye on Jim just, you know, for a little while. And if she gives that acknowledgement that she, that, you can, that's something that the safety team should be aware of. It doesn't go any beyond them. My wife, who I've been married to for 33 years and, and love her more now than, than the day I married her, doesn't know the things that I know in regards to some people in our church. But I should be aware of it if I am standing watch. And so you, the selection of these individuals is critical to the legitimacy of what you're doing, gang. Gang, if you want everyone to look at your safety team like you're a bunch of goofs, put a bunch of goofs on it. And they'll have no legitimacy within your organization and it'll be meaningless. You select super high quality individuals who function at a high level and the legitimacy of your organization goes through the roof. It's just like in life. The legitimacy of husband, the legitimacy of father goes through the roof every time I take a brick out of the wall, right? Every time I don't have an emotional explosion and go sideways, that's emotional intelligence. And that's why it's so critical to our personal excellence, our, our professional excellence, and in leadership, is if we, have, if we possess a great deal of emotional intelligence, then, then the legitimacy of who we are and what we do goes through the roof. That's why it's so critical. I cry marriage. What other, you know, do you have a lot of activities after dark? Is your parking lot not well lit, you know? So these risk assessments are, you know, what are some of the things that you can simply turn the lights on, <laughs> right? On, on Wednesday night when the kids and the girls are walking out from, from youth ministry, make sure the parking lights are on and they're walking out together and they, you know, you have that conversation with them about head on a swivel and trust your instincts and all those things. Child custody issues, right? Are you kidding? Of course. Deal with it all the time. Write job descriptions, finalize, you know, create job descriptions, what's your duties, what do you do, what does that person do, what's the parking lot guy's responsibility, what's the, the child care uh, girl's responsibility, the EMTs in the sanctuary, just, you know, and again, it's not, you know, you don't have to be all-knowing. You sit down and in the collective wisdom of what you're doing, you guys work it out. You know, you got seven or eight decision makers in the church, you know. The, the missionettes leaders and the, and the Royal Ranger leaders and the greeterish leaders and you get them all together and you work these things out. What, is, what are your expectations for us? What can we be doing for you? Oh man, never even thought of that, right? That's how it happens. 
Okay, management approval. Formal presentation to the church board. So, you want to have your ducks in a row so that when you, if, if you are not the decision makers, or if you're like for me when I'm on the church board, I'm one seventh of that of that you know of that collective wisdom. And so here's what I've learned over you know almost 20 years of being on church boards and, and school boards, that you know when we operate with emotional intelligence, and if it's of God, it resonates with everybody, right? You know, so we bring something forward, we feel strongly about it, we share it with the group, and when it resonates with everybody, you, you know that's of God, collective wisdom. So, you know, you want buy-in by your pastors and decision-makers. That's why it's got, if it's done haphazardly, everyone's going to be going, I'm not sure. You know, I, I saw Jim the other day and he was talking to plants, and now you want them on the safety team, I am not sure. So address management. So when you when you um, you know so when you sit down with uh, your decision makers or your pastors, you know here's the thing: it's it's not about whether or not we agree with how they feel, right? That's how they feel. So you know if they if they're not there yet, find out why and address those issues. Why why so. What are your concerns? And, and so what can we do to lay aside those concerns or mitigate? You know, so, yeah, I want to be in there standing with you know, my tactical rifle at the front, but you don't want that. Okay, so let, you know, what, what can we do differently? So, you know, work through it, find common ground. Because, again, it's about comfort. Because if we're comfortable, we'll use it. You know, if it's uncomfortable and people all of a sudden, folks aren't coming to your church because you got SWAT guys standing at the doors, well, you know, we, we might want to rethink that. So... You know, you have to have your pastor and board's buy-in, of course. Now, they're probably on the front end of this. They're probably saying, hey, gang, I think we need to do this. But uh, trust me when I tell you, there's a, the, that, that uh, trustee who's a pastor in my community of one of the larger churches who precipitated us having this whole church security thing doesn't have a security team in place in this church. And I've presented to his board probably five times. Still don't have it. I don't know. <coughs> Select your safety team members. First team members need to be hand selected by you know the pastor and the board and whoever's heading up this. You know you want to look for current or former law enforcement, military, paramedics, EMTs, emergency care. And so here's what you're looking for. You're looking for people who are comfortable with authority. The, the, the get-go store manager, you know, the, the guy who's the plant manager or the shift supervisor or somebody who's, you know, comfortable with authority, who's operated in authority, gets along with people, knows how to, you know, persuade somebody to do something. These are, you know, so if you're not, you know, an EMT or law enforcement officer or a colonel in the military, you know, but you want people who are used to being clothed in authority, right? It's, it's comfortable to them. They're, you know, they're not, they're not you know, the guy who really wants to be on, you know, who works at the car wash and there's nothing wrong with there's honor in, in eight hours of work, but he's the brush guy at the car wash and he really wants to be on the safety team, right? He may not be somebody who's comfortable with authority. He might be the one running up to Mrs. Jones who's 86 years old and telling her she walked outside the yellow line. So, I used applications for, the, for those who wanted to be on my safety team. Fill it out. Tell me why you want to do this. Why, you know, why is it that you want to guess? You know what? I just I want to look out for people. I, I, I'm drawn to you know those are, have them fill it out. Background checks are a must. Again, gang, if you haven't done if you're not doing background checks, especially on your child care workers, gang, you are in the 70s. You are ripe for problems. So immediately 
Forthwith, tomorrow, background checks on everybody. Uh, where, where would somebody, where, where can you have that done at? So there are a number of commercial background checkers, and that's what they do. And it's usually called a BCI, Bureau of Criminal Investigation background, FBI background. So it's BCI slash FBI background. And that's nothing more than simply says, you're not a bum. So, you know, you haven't been arrested six times, you're not a convicted felon, you don't have outstanding warrants. You know, basically, you're not uh, on some child sex registry thing. Um, so, it's something. You know, do, do people get past them? They do. Um, this shooter in Texas had domestic violence convictions from the United States Air Force that weren't entered into his criminal history background. He would have never been able to purchase those firearms had they been. Don't want to be that clerk who missed that one, right? Just in their own heart check, Lord have mercy, would you know you want to be the person responsible for that? So those background checks will give you a snapshot of that person. You know, they're 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 they are who they rep represent themselves to be. Um, not foolproof, but it's something. And uh, trust me when I tell you. I can't tell you the number of churches who said, gee, we haven't done this, and then went to do them and had three or four people go, well, you don't need to check my, I've been going here for 20 Right? Because every one of us would be like, check my background, what do I care? I don't, you know, I don't even know how to do it, right? So, uh, abs an absolute must. So, back to uh, select team members. So, you've heard me use the word emotional intelligence. And I majored in emotional intelligence in law enforcement at the FBI Academy for this reason. Going all the way back to former military um, police officer, religiously conservative dad, right? Daughters. Every reason in the world for my girls to run for the door when they turned 18. And when my girls were young and my wife and I together, in our choices we made, we didn't want to settle for marriage. We wanted an example marriage. You know, I didn't want to settle for a profession. I wanted a, a profession. I, I've been a, a, a cop for 30 years. I've never worked a day in my life. You know, Sunday night, I'll, I'll uniform up and go back to work. Can't wait to go. Love what I do. And so carry, I, I want to carry that passion into my young people. And so when I looked at my girls and, and said, why is it that you know some bosses people turn to and others turn from? Why are there people in our lives that we turn to and there are others we turn from? What is that? And so emotional intelligence, you know, began. It started to come to light, now and it resonated with me. You know, these are people who control their emotions, are able to read the emotions of others and respond appropriately. That's all it is. So when you select team members, you want team members who can control their emotions, right? If I'm a police officer, I want an officer who um, I pull somebody over and they're going 67 miles an hour and a 35 and I'm fired up. You know, how dare you speed like that in my township? And I walk up to the car and I'm upset, but I can appreciate that the young black female that I've pulled over might be a little anxious. And so I control my emotions and I read her emotions and I reduce her anxiety and I talk to her and not at her. And I may be upset that she was speeding so much, but as I'm driving up to, or walking up to the car, I notice she's got two car seats in. So obviously this is a mom. Where are you headed? Oh, she's late for work. I'm at times late for work. Get it? Right? So you want somebody who's able to control their emotions, read the emotions of others, and simply respond appropriately. Right? Simple human kindness. Godliness. That's what we're looking for. It's a little rarer than we think. So you got to be really careful about who you're selecting for the team members game. Because again, 
the legitimacy of your effort will go through the roof if you have somebody at the time when we need calmness and collective is uh, having a, an emotional meltdown, right? Screaming and yelling at somebody who's, who, who's maybe creating a problem and they're representing your safety team. <laughs> Not on your life, right? Should be a, a good idea that they call the safety team there, right? <laughs> a bad idea. So, selecting your team members. High emotional intelligence, gang, is critical to what you're doing if you want to be successful. I can't overstate it. Okay, equipment you need. Radios and earbuds are a must. Even if it's a two-man team, a guy in the parking lot and a guy inside, they need to be able to communicate quickly and effectively. I bought six radios for our safety team for $600. They're high-end radios. They work fantastic, <clears throat> and they cover our entire church interior, every area, all up levels, low levels underneath, outside to the ends of the property and outbuildings because you have to be able to depend on it. So quality radios are a must. First aid bag if you want to go there. You know, Do you have nurses in your uh, organization? There's no sense in having a go bag if you got nobody to go with it. Right? There's the go bag. You know how to use it? Nope. All right. So you, you know, so if you have no sense in having it, you know, if you don't have trained people who can use it. Again, my uh, EMTs and firefighters are nothing more than a bridge between the event and the professionals arriving. But that bag should be able to get them from A to B. Um, AED devices, oxygen tanks, we have them in our, our, those are pretty common anymore. ID cards and shirts, my, my guys all have uh, a, a high quality badge that is, has their photo and name on both sides and they wear the lanyard and it sits there and so no matter which way it flops around their name and the fact that they're on the safety teams on it should, should, should be identified, right? Um, but again, you know, but they're in polos and, and jeans or whatever, so you know, it's, but they have that, that, that on. You know, notepads, flashlights, uh, personal defense items, they can carry mace if they want. Uh, foam mace, not spray mace, not fog mace, right? You don't want to gas everybody in the whole sanctuary. You clear the church out quicker than the pastor saying amen. Train the team. Ooh, man, I'm running out of time. I'm sorry. I keep talking too much. So, define the team's duties and roles. And you have the, this is the reason why I wanted you to have the outline, gang, so if we can't go over as, as well as I'd like, you have the information. Basic radio operation. <clears throat> so, 911 taught us in law enforcement that codes and signals are wrong because, you know, 85 agencies responded in 9-11 with all of their own radio systems and all of their own codes and signals. And I got a code 7 up there, and I'm like, he's, you know, what? He's, got, you know, he's in a pursuit on the third floor? No. So law enforcement learned, EMS learned, firefighters learned, plain talk. So, you know, we don't have the, uh, you know, so if there's a bad man walking in the church, it's not, you know, Mr. Stalker's coming in the front door. It's, hey, Jim, come up to the front. Everything's plain talk. So if you have radios and use them, it's not about codes and signals. It's just about talking on the radio. So when I assign my guys and gals for my safety team, I don't assign them areas. I tell them, work it out over the radio. I got five of you. There's five stations. Work it out over the radio. Ready, break, go. Because I want them comfortable. I want them used to talking on the radio. You know, so... It's a basic radio operation is just simply talk. It's just like you're talking on the, on the phone. No, no codes and signals, no special codes for this, that, you know, or whatever. Basic CPR. Of course, CPR is nothing more than just compressions anymore. That's all it is. Dealing with the congregation. So you're training. So if you, if you get high emotionally intelligent individuals, they know how to deal with your congregation effectively. Just talk to people. 
talk to him, talk him down, escort him out. Jim's flipping out because he don't like the way the pastor told him how to deal with Sally. You go up to Jim and you're talking to him and your arm's on his shoulder and arm's on his elbow and you escort Jim out and you're talking to him the whole time. And I'm fully prepared to go hands-on if I have to, but I'd rather walk Jim out, right? I've worked midnight turn in, in, in Mahoning County. There's 154 liquor licenses in Austin Town, right? I roll around with drunks all the time, but I don't. I talk to them. Am I prepared to roll around with them? Absolutely. I'm always prepared to meet violence with greater violence. But if I talk to you and, and, and validate who you are, right? honestly, and just talk to you, I, yeah, I'm going to roll around with very few people, and I do. And I can't tell you the number of people who the next weekend, that they're not as drunk as they were the last weekend, and I'm getting a coffee and sheets, and they come in and they tell me, hey, man, I appreciate you talking to me last week and treating me like a normal person. I get that all the time. On my department, I'm kind of known as the people whisperer. Because I can say things to people that, that, that if another officer said it, they'd be rolling around on the ground. But one of the things about emotional intelligence is we can create a relationship with people in moments in time. In a moment in time, I can have a, I have a relationship with you kind people in just an hour and a half. Right? So a, a highly effective person can have a relationship with somebody in a moment in time. Eye contact, hand contact. I, 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 this is important to both of us. Right? So moments in time we can establish relationships. I don't know! Who got to plug it in? Uh, no, I did plug it in, but I talked too much. That's the problem. We'll get through it. Hopefully. If not, it'll go dark. So, meet police and EMT. We talked about that. Meeting with other ministries, critically important. You know, once the safety team is up and running, you know, my safety team works in close conjunction with the greeters and the ushers and the children's ministry and the pastor and the worship band and everybody. So, of course, it's, it's made up of the folks in the church. So they're in other ministries. So make sure that you explain what we're doing and make sure that the children's ministry and the ushers and the greeters and, you know, whoever else, you know, if you have missions team and media, my greeters and ushers know to look for my safety team people. Did I? Yes. What did I skip? Yeah, we, we spoke about that earlier. But again, you know, so the reason why, you know, again, is you want them to be aware that we're doing something here. And especially if you have armed members, you know, the, the, the police department should know that, I, you know, I, I know as a police officer that every encounter I have is an armed encounter, right? My weapon. So, so those officers are going to want to know if they're coming into a situation where there, there, there may be weapons involved. So that's one of the reasons. They want to know your capabilities. If you're training with them, then they really know your capabilities. In gang, the legitimacy of your organization goes through the roof, right? Because we're excellent in what we do. And then these are unchurched people oftentimes, right, law enforcement? And so we have a real opportunity to engage them at a high level, uh, uh, you know, Literally being the hands of God extended. So, so it opens, it's not just you know, introducing ourselves, but it's an opportunity for ministry as well. The other ministries. Starting operations. Not more, it's more than just showing them look good. Understand your mission. Understand your role. Understand what your job is. Be vigilant and personable. Joyful in your mission, right? You want high quality people who are out there. Hey, welcome to church. When, when I'm on the safety team, I'm out in front of the greeters. I drive them crazy. I'm out, I'm out in, the, in the overhang opening up car doors. Help out. This must be the good looking crowd here, right? Helping them in. Absolutely. Be joyful in what you do, right? But that's display. It starts from the top. So your guy that, that, that starts it, make sure that, that they're passionate about what they do. Just like in any ministry. Confidence in dealing with the public. Again, 
Selecting people who are used to authority. That's important. Remember, you're a church's line of defense, and you are a servant. So, running through it. Develop your plan, risk assessments, job descriptions, board approval, select team members, critical, equipment, train, meet, introduce, and off we go. Team selection, okay, like training videos, presentations, articles, everything's online, gang. There's startup kits out there. If you don't have one, you have my email address. I can mail you a startup kit, but it's just, you know, it's just basic outlines and frames. Some of these PowerPoints. And in summary, we pray for the best of times, but we plan for the worst of times. And not that God has placed your team as shepherds or sheepdogs who protect the lambs of God. And may the Lord bless your mission. And there we go, gang. We know that the world, there's wolves among us. But God has placed sheepdogs to defend the sheep from the wolves. And that's who we are. So, any questions? Sir? Um, like you said, uh, you train your, your team, and, but you don't necessarily uh, run through anything with the congregation. Nothing uh, no. basic or anything. Like, I mean, do they need to know that if there is a, an attacker in one place, like they need to go the other way or something? Well, they're going to go the other way. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, some of the training that you'll do, you should be doing, is so when you're running through doors and 50 or 60 people are running out that door, how do you get through it? And it's, you're not saying hot coffee lady with a baby, pardon me, excuse me. Right? You're forming a wedge and you're pushing through and you're prepared to come up. So, you know, you, so some of that training is, you know, do I have to train the, the congregation to run, hide, fight? I mean, we can do that, but they're going to run and hide. That's going to happen. It's training people to overcome those fears and run to the gunfire. You know, that's, that's the hard part. You know, running, you know, that's a natural instinct. So, you know, and I do appreciate that. And for some of the smaller congregations, training your congregation and Alice training and those things is, is practical. You know, for highway of four, five, six hundred people, you know, depending on the various Sunday, it's not practical. You know, because we have a high turnover. You know, you, you got, you know, this year's congregation is not what it was last year and won't be what it is next year. So, logistically, I don't, I don't find value in it. Sir? The liability you talked about earlier, uh, if your security personnel, as a church, you don't ask them to carry a gun, but they have a concealed carry permit and choose to. Are you still under the same liability? So if you operate outside our safety team, independent of it, and you have a concealed carry weapon and you use it on church grounds, you're liable for it. The church is Personally. Personally, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Now, does that, you know, common sense tells us that they're going to go for deep pockets, so they're probably going to church, sue the church. That's why you're not allowed to carry firearms as a CCW handler in places of worship. You are, but you have to have a letter from the church that acknowledges you have it and, and they give you the permission to carry it. But you're, anytime... And that makes them li the church liable at that it, point? Well, it, it, it could, yeah. You know, I mean, it, it could open you up. Uh, you know, listen, gang, you can get sued for anything. Yeah. So, you know, the, the easy answer is don't let anybody carry firearms or just don't ask. You know, you know listen, I know there are a number of high-quality people who are carrying guns in our church who don't have letters from the church to say they can't. I don't have a problem with it. Not at all. Because they're, they're staley, uh, stable, emotionally intelligent people. So I, I don't have an issue with it. Um, but they, they certainly aren't going to carry it on behalf of the church. So um, you, I, I try to limit the church's liability at all times. Um, we're covered under Good Samaritan. And so, you know, another question is, so if somebody gets hurt, 
while working for the safety team whose insurance pays. Well, I have insurance. If I twist a knee while I'm rolling around with somebody, I'm probably going to go get it checked on my own dime. Could I ask the church to pay for it? I could. And would the church pay for it? They would. But most are, have their own insurance, so they, they probably aren't. But, but that is a legitimate question. So, any other questions? All right, gang. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much.